yeah, we're going to last 10 years. But as soon as you've said that, you think, you know, we're lucky if we last three months, you know. Well, obviously, we can't keep playing the same sort of music until we're about 40, because no, when we're sort of old men playing from me to you, nobody's going to want to know it's all about that sort of thing. Coming up on Verse Course Verse, who were the quarrymen? Why was their reign so short? And what could have happened if they wouldn't have sold out? <laughs> That's next. So, you know, we've thought about it, and probably the thing that John and I will do uh, will be write songs as we have been doing as a sort of sideline now. We'll probably develop that a bit more, we hope. Who knows, at 40 we may not know how to write songs anymore. Uh, Welcome to episode 96 and probably 96.2. I am DL. With me is Rachel. OMG, Midnight's is out. Polio. (laughs) Rachel, how are you? I'm good. Have you checked out the Midnight's? That's all I've been listening to. Just that on repeat. I didn't even study for this. Were you serious in the first part, though? The that's all I've been listening to? No, but I have listened to it. I have thoughts. I guess we should talk about that on our next episode. We'll get there, yeah. How are you? Good. Dehydrated and hungry, though. Why are you dehydrated? Oh, just because I just woke up. I didn't just wake up. I've been up for like It's noon. (laughs) (laughs) We aren't young anymore. You're not supposed to sleep in that late. I know. What were you up at? Five o'clock? Jogging? I actually slept until 6.30 today. Look at you. Jogged at 7. Bam. Very proud of myself. You're like a youth. Do you eat before you jog? No, no. I get up and run. I'm much better at running on a very empty stomach. Same, but not running. How's that going? Do you need a fitness corner? I'm doing well. Our last fitness corner, it was good timing because I've stopped losing weight. I'm sure I'm going to lose another like five or 10 pounds, but now I'm Mm -hmm. in that plateau growing muscles. So you're actually gaining, right? You don't see results. You know what I mean? It's a little frustrating, but I feel results. I feel, I just feel way better. Good. Yeah. What about you? I'm doing great. Actually, it's been a- You're eating pretzels and cheese, which is a vastly superior health snack than you usually eat. pretty healthy breakfast. Food is still- you know, delicious. So there's that. But as far as working out, I've been to four classes this week. That's awesome. That's pretty good. That's very good. Four out of five days so far. What about all the other stuff that Evil has talked to us about, like sleep patterns and... Sleep is great for me. I just slept for... I went to bed shortly after 10 and woke up after nine. So I think I think I've got the sleep part <laughs> down. I'm good there. Do you think, and this could be just as a dude, I'm just being sexist, but it always seems to me like women have a way easier time sleeping than dudes do. Maybe, but here's a funny story. I think it is hereditary. Yesterday, the kiddo was in the back of the car. We're going to go to Disneyland via Boise. We're going to go see Grandpa Polio. And so he's been talking a lot about Grandpa Polio lately. And he said, what do you think Grandpa Polio is doing right now? And I was like, I don't know. What do you think? And he goes, he's napping. <laughs> he is a big fan of sleeping. And so so I don't know that it's a guy-girl thing. It might be, but in my family, it is. My mom sleeps like a log. I do not. Well, and then Vince doesn't sleep at all. So Simpatico. Love him. What are we doing today? It's a Saturday. It is the afternoon. Mm-hmm. We can definitely drink, which is good. We're going to need it. We had to start the Beatles on the podcast somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. You were my guinea pig for a couple reasons. Reason number one, Mm -hmm. you have the most fun besides maybe me researching. You like to research. I like a good rabbit hole. That's most of what this band is, is research. And number two, I feel like out of you, Evil, and Sven, you would be the most open-minded and receptive 
to getting to know the Beatles. That is probably true. I definitely suffer from like exposure. The more I listen to something, the more I study something, the more I fall in love with it. So I think I'm the most easily manipulated. That's why I did it. <laughs> you are easily manipulated. I knew it. I don't know. Maybe we were on our messenger thing and I was like, hey, who will do the Beatles with me? After like an hour, you were probably like, fine, I'll fucking do it. Fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We have to cover the Beatles. It's a fucking music podcast. I've been a massive Beatles fan since I was a kid, so it had to happen. No small task. In fact, it's such a no small task that this is a many part series. Mm -hmm. At the end of each year, Rachel and I are going to get together and we are going to do one of these to kind of end the non-finale correlated episodes. Yeah, the non-finale episodes. That's good. Yes, it's going to be the Beatles. Yeah. We kind of talked about how to tackle it. We decided chronological was the best way to go. Mm. What other way could we have really done it? I don't know, man. Backwards. Ooh, we Tarantino it. Yeah, we could have mementoed this bitch. Start from yesterday. No, we're going chronological. We spaced everything out. I don't know if all of them are going to be a two-parter. This one is because we're essentially tackling how they started their coming out party in Europe and America. That's basically what we're going to try okay. to tackle today. I don't know how much our UK friends are going to hate this, but we're going off of the American releases as far as yeah. chronological. I don't think they can be mad, though, because they're just everywhere. The songs are in different albums. If we don't stick with UK or US, it doesn't make sense. But it also makes sense for us because we have a United States perspective. Exactly. That is be mad. very well put. And Europe also had, since Europe had the Beatles first, which they did, Mm -hmm. There are eight kabillion singles and EPs and illegal releases and all this shit that you it is impossible right. to wade through the beginning catalog of the Beatles. Also true. I still, when I was studying like this week, I had to wrap my head around, wait, introducing the Beatles, please, please me. Mm -hmm. Trying to find their actual albums on Spotify. It was all playlists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I had to double check Wikipedia and whatever to make sure that I was listening to the right songs on the right album because everything's a fucking mess. You know what you should do? What's that? You should buy records. Here's the thing. I love switching between songs really quickly. You can't do that with a record. Oh, look at your fancy drink. I know, right? We're not there yet, Rachel. I know. That's um, why I've been drinking the water, so you can't see what I'm drinking. We're not going to documentary the shit out of this thing. Look, the Beatles have been done eight kabillion times. We know this. Street chatter in the UK. Pull up in the tavern. Muffled. Guitar noises. We're not doing that. It's been done a million times. We're going to talk about the story, but we're not going to be reading off a Wikipedia page. If you have a problem with that, you can fight me. <clears throat> we just think this is an interesting perspective because I have been a deep fan for about 30 years. And Rachel, your fandom has not been... How, how would you describe your fandom? Well, that's a great question. Describe your relationship with the Beatles in one to two sentences. Oh my gosh. I'm not prepared for this. Um, I'll go first. Okay. Once again, this will be expanded on... Neither of my parents were into the Beatles at all. That made this the most least rebellious thing that I could do. <laughs> yeah. I would say my Beatles fandom has been voyeuristic in that Kinky. it's been something that I have seen other people obsess about, but never really gotten into. Was it like a, I got to figure this out someday because there's got to be something there if 8 million people are obsessed or is it one of those, God, you guys are fucking losers. Somewhere in between that. Like I said, I've always appreciated the Beatles for their talent, but I've never gotten into them. But I did have a lot of friends that were like super obsessed with the Beatles in high school. 
a lot of this was a lot of review for me because it's stuff that I had heard before. You bring up the Beatles on the show a good amount of times when you're talking about. Sure. It's kind of your go to for describing a band that is going to evolve. Absolutely. When you are so prolific over so many years, if you don't evolve, then you're probably dead in the wrong business. Disco, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, disco. Also, as far as what music is playing tonight, I don't know yet. You know why? I've kind of had to become a little bit of a mini lawyer. <laughs> What's interesting about the Beatles music is there is this murky public domain-y thing for Beatles outtakes and live recordings that weren't on albums. There were some really weird copyright issues in Europe in the 50s. So I'm trying to figure out if I can legally play Beatles music. Yeah. If not, you're just going to hear some Sven Knutsen originals. Either way, you're good to go. <laughs> I feel like early stuff from like clubs would be really appropriate anyway, because this is very early Beatles we're talking about. Yes. So we got to get to the most important part of the night. I'll go first since you already saw my drink. Every year yeah. I take the little kiddo to the pumpkin patch. We also grab some apples. Mm -hmm. So this is an apple teeny. Oh, if you could see it. It's not a bright green apple pucker. Mm. It's not what you think of when you think of a person in a nightclub drinking an apple teeny. So I make my own apple liquor. I got this idea from, oh shit. There is a gentleman that has a YouTube channel called How to Drink. That's what it oh, is. Greg, right? On Something? Greg. It is Greg. Good job. Thank you. I learned this from him. Essentially what I do is I take some Granny Smith apples and I soak them in Everclear for about one or two days. Oh my gosh. Add sugar, water, and uh, citric acid to it. And it's this strong but very apple-y. I mixed some Applejack with that, some lime, some simple syrup. That's my apple teeny. You are so fancy. It's amazing. The best thing about it is the smell. It mm. makes the whole room just smell like a freaking apple orchard. Nice. It's the best. So I do that every year. Rachel, what are you drinking? Very similar drink to yours, actually. Angry I'm orchard? i an angry orchard. Oh, I, Fuck off. I called it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a crisp apple angry orchard hard cider. So cheers. Same thing. Same thing. Pretty much. Actually, I will probably be drinking one of those later on. This is bad because I can barely taste the alcohol in it. I'm going to drink this like I'm thirsty. What's the content? 5%. That's not bad. That's fine. You'll be okay. David, I haven't had food today. <laughs> you're eating. The world knows you're lying. They can hear you chewing. We're almost done with the season, Rachel. I know. You have one more episode before we kidnap you and take you to a cabin. I'm excited to get kidnapped in the woods, though. It's going to be fun. Are you relieved that you have essentially one more episode for a month? David, here's the thing. I feel like you say, are you so excited to have all of this time off? I made a list of 82 albums that I feel like I need to listen <laughs> to before we start the finale stuff. So I have like a month to listen to all of these albums. Rachel, the procrastinator polio. Mm -hmm. Even though it is a ton of work, it's a relief mm -hmm. to not have a scheduled. I love doing this, obviously. This is, I love doing it. But there right. is a little bit of that not having anything on the schedule for a few weeks is kind of nice. I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with the structure. What about the other finale episodes? Remember, you still got to go back and listen to 2021 again. <sighs> I just wanted to see your face when I said that. See, I have a lot to study. <laughs> we're going to take a break so that can sink in for Rachel. Oh, and then we're going to talk about the fucking Beatles, the greatest rock band to ever exist. Yeah. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We are back. 
sorry. You love to put what in I what? I love to put a big handful of pretzels in my mouth and then take a big bite of cheese. Yeah. Like just off a cheese stick. You're acting like you invented cheese and crackers. It's pretty... It's not crackers. It's, it's a pretty pretzels. common... It's so different. And I feel like I did invent cheese and crackers. Did you? Mm. Is your real last name Trisket? It is. <laughs> Let's talk about the Beatles. I got to get my Wikipedia up. <laughs> Apparently it's John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. Okay. We're off to a good start, everybody. We're off to a good start. <laughs> Rachel, first memories of the Beatles or specific memories of the Beatles. Basically, you're talking about how your fandom is kind of voyeurism. You talked right. a little bit about how you had friends in high school that loved them, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. What's your story with the Beatles? Where does it come from? Where do you go? Where do you come from? So my first memory, so we both said Beatles were not played in our house. I'm sure... There's some sort of osmosis with commercials and seeing stuff in movies and whatever. The very first memory I have is not actually technically the Beatles. It's John Lennon. There was this episode of Quantum Leap in 1990 where Sam leaps back to his own body when he was a kid. So I think it was like in the 60s-ish because it was before Vietnam. He's trying to convince his sister that he has time traveled. And one of the things he does, he just says, you know, mom gets sick this way, dad gets cancer, brother dies in the war. And he goes, you know what? There's this song that will come out in a couple years. John Lennon writes this song and then he sings Imagine. He just has a guitar and he does an acoustic Imagine. It's really, really great. She cries, blah, blah, story, whatever. It doesn't matter about Quantum Leap. But I remember thinking at the time in 1990, before the internet, how do I get a hold of that song? That is really, really beautiful. And so that is my first Beatle memory that I can think of was from Quantum Leap. Okay. Fabulous show. I never saw an episode of it. Oh my god. I know it. I know what it was about. I like Scott Bakula. It's Scott Bakula, right? Yeah. Never watched it. Really? Plus, if the dude's going back in time and, and lying to everybody and saying, hey, look what I wrote. I wrote Imagine. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I get it. I loved Quantum Leap. Anyway. Yeah, my mom hated the Beatles for a very good reason that I think most people her age would have hated the Beatles because it was fucking everywhere her whole life. Right. At a point in time in her life, you couldn't turn the fucking radio to a different station without a Beatles song playing, which, yeah, I could see where that would be like, Mm -hmm. I get it. I think being in the generation that we're in, we're a little lucky in that sense to where it's super easily accessible but it, it's not everywhere all the time. We'll go on into this a little bit more later. But as we're talking about what music came out at the same time, I was realizing how many people were putting out not just an album a year, but multiple albums a year. Yeah. Jesus Christ. At one point, the Beach Boys put out nine albums in the course of three years. <laughs> and I'm just like, if we thought musicians and artists in our time were getting abused and just made into these machines to produce this product for people to purchase. Jesus Christ, these poor kids. And yeah, I could super understand where your mom's coming from of like, can't fucking turn your head without more of the goddamn Beatles on the radio. My dad was much more of a rock rock guy. Mm -hmm. He was really into the 80s, Dio Dawkin. And then he actually got super into, he followed what would have been considered good consistently in rock and roll. Like then he got really into the grunge stuff which surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. So yeah, he wasn't a big Beatles guy either, but he had an uncle that passed away 
and when my father's uncle passed away, my father's uncle left my dad just this massive CD collection. Mm. And he was going through it with me and there were Beatles albums he had no interest in. And I kind of like you said, I was very young, but I was like, well, whenever you hear the Beatles, it's always like a biggest band of all time thing. So I have to at least try them. Like cocaine. Exactly. And then you try it and then it's you're addicted and then you just want more money to buy more Beatles. Mm -hmm. But then you listen to all the Beatles right when you buy it (laughs) and then you get really sick until you get more Beatles. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I just remember sitting in my room at my, my mom and I's house putting on the Beatles Past Masters album for the first time, and I was done. Mm-hmm. I think I had a lot to gain by the fact that I hadn't really heard them and my parents weren't into them. So when I first heard it, it was my own thing. Mm-hmm. It blew me away, and we'll talk more about those specific songs as we go. Also, my uncle, who I have always kind of hero-worshipped mm-hmm. in my life, is a massive Beatles guy. Oh, there you go. If he thinks the Beatles are good, then obviously they're the best man of all time. Yeah. It'd be like if your brother was obsessed mm. with the Beatles, you'd be like, oh, well, then they're obviously. The best, you know. Have you done your I apologize if you've talked about this and I haven't listened, but uh <laughs> <laughs> your equation, your no, no, with no, the no, Beatles. No. That's that's gonna be down the line. Okay. Right now, Michael Jackson, as far as best, is way the fuck in the lead. Oh, gotcha. Michael Jackson's numbers crushed everybody, mm-hmm. which that makes sense. Duh. I feel like the Beatles might be the only band that will be able to contend with that. Do you think they'll beat him? No. But I don't know. You don't know for sure until you put them in the equation. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know until I crunch, crunch the numbers. numbers. Have you watched any Beatles movies? I tried to watch the one where they're on the train. Hard Day's Night. I was like, I don't have time for this. I love fucking Hard Day's Night. No, I, I love it so much. I felt like I wasn't good. gleaning historical information from it. Oh, you were like researching. Yeah, while I was researching, I was like, oh, I wonder if this oh. will give me any information. And since it was just a, a scripted, didn't really do anything for me. So I switched from that to old Beatles videos. You know what album we're going to cover next year. Hard Day's Night. So perfect. Before studying for this, how big of a Beatles fan? If somebody said, hey, are you a Beatles fan? What would you have said? I would pick them up off the street and give them a ride if their car was broken. I don't know if I'd invite them to my birthday. I'd invite them to my birthday. Everybody's invited. That's not nice. To play or just to hang out? Oh, just to hang out. I could just make a Spotify (laughs) list. They don't need to. Yeah, I'm a really big fan. I love the Beatles. I'm not sure if you all knew that. I um, don't think they did. But I'm also aware that being a huge Beatles fan at the age that I am probably puts me at like the 48th percentile of Beatles fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of the musicians that we've talked to for this and like Jennifer Batten's interview, mm-hmm. the first influence she said was just being at home when she was a kid and a new Beatles record would come out and her and all right. of her friends would just sit there and obsess over it for days. People our age, I don't really think will ever. I think it's, it seems like, so just came from ACL and Paramore played and they were fucking fantastic. There were, there were kids there that were far too fucking young to be fans. And it kind of made me a little like, how do you know? Of Paramore? How do you know the lyrics to all this music? This is my music, not yours. Like there's like teenagers there. likes Paramore. I wonder how people that were actually around when Beatles music was coming out view you and other big Beatles fans because it's like, are they? Like they weren't there to get a fresh new album. weren't there, man. Yeah. That's funny that you said that because I've actually been listening to more Paramore as of the last like month. Oh my God. That woman is so amazing live. 
I had no Didn't clue. they have a new album come out this year? They have a new one coming out early next year, I think coming is what out she said. Early next year. That's right. No, yeah. you're right. But her vocal control and power and Jesus, she is just... Just her stage presence. Lady crush, she's, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. She's fucking awesome. We're not she's here another, for Paramore. Like, okay, one more thing. Remember how we talked about DMX at Woodstock just like taking up the whole stage? Yeah. It was the same thing where the stage is gigantic. Her band is this big and she is like five feet tall. And for some reason, her presence just takes over the whole stage. She's got this quirky but not dorky dance mm-hmm. movie kind of like she's just fucking cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely a crush type person. Mm, into it. I want to talk about if, and I don't know how many answers you will have for this, but times in our lives where the Beatles have had specific influence or you can remember specific things. To give an example, I'll say one thing for me is I write music. I used to write much more music, not to do anything with. I just like writing music. When I'm writing a song, one of the first things that I do is try to picture what the tone will be, what the guitar tone will be, what the vocal tones will be, and that sort of thing. And I'd say 90% of the time, it always goes back to a either a John Lennon guitar tone or a John Lennon vocal tone or Paul McCartney bass tone. I've always, it's just happened, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a fan of all of their music from the 60s to, I mean, shit, one decade, but still. Right. I would put it this way. My favorite song of the Beatles changes probably like every year. Yeah. And I think that is a good sign of a band that really is just your favorite band. Mm -hmm. I had that when I bought, because, you know, I had like two CDs when I was a kid, but one of them was bad. Mm. And when I was listening to that back and forth, it was just like whatever mood I was in. Because it's such a good album all the way through that different songs would be my favorite song that day or that week or whatever. But it's the same. There's so much good Beatles stuff that it's hard to really nail down. And there's, you know, it's like you're... Your kids or your dogs, you love them for different reasons. Like there's different parts of different songs. You like the harmonica on one, mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the early Beatles stuff, or you like John's vocals on some stuff. Yeah. Or Ringo Starr's drumming, like Ringo. Fucking Ringo, Ringo Starr's drumming. We'll get into Ringo Starr's drumming. There's been a little bit of bashing on this podcast on mm-hmm. Ringo's drumming, and I don't think that that's accounting for the early years because Ringo was doing shit that other people just weren't doing. I also have very, very specific, you know, the Beatles are the song like fucking Taxman reminds me of mowing my grandparents lawn. When I hear I want to hold your hand in my head, it's always the German version because that was one of the first ones I ever heard was the come get me. Really? Yeah. So I always hear come get me Dinah. <laughs> That's just how I fucking hear it in my head because I had a the German, they, they had a German version on the past Masters CD that I, the first Beatles CD ever They had. recorded it in German. Yeah. That's crazy. Right? Now I need to find that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Only Sleeping reminds me of listening to CDs in a junior high girlfriend's house. All of their songs have very, very specific nostalgia points for me. Yeah. Now that you say that, when I was looking at She Loves You, I noticed that they had Sik, Sai, Liba, whatever you is in the <laughs> da, whatever. Anyway, they had it in German. That makes sense. The Germans dug them. That was fun. They dug them. Yeah. That's us just talking about our relationship so far with the Beatles Mm-hmm. We are going to try to break this down. We're going to talk a little bit about the Beatles pre. Pre, please, please me. Pre introducing the Beatles. Then we're going to go album by album. And when I say album by album, I mean we're going to do 
Please Please Me slash Introducing the Beatles, which are basically the same album. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to go to Meet the Beatles, and then we're going to do the Beatles' second album. I will explain why when we get to those, but I think those three fully encapsulate what the early feel of the Beatles was. Sure. This is going to be a two-parter episode. I do not know how it's going to divide yet, so bear with us. I have a feeling we're going to get a pass like the first album, and then the second episode will be the last two albums and our final thoughts. Let's play it by ear, Rachel. You know that's my favorite thing to do, and I don't at all hate that. (laughs) Who needs structure? So let's talk about pre-The Beatles, the formation of The Beatles, The Beatles beginning to record. Let's talk about all that stuff. Rachel, how far back should we go? Should we go early 60s? Should we go 50s? I can go as far back to 1600s talking about The Beatles if you want me to. The 1600s. I can't go that far. I only went to the 50s. (laughs) Oh, that's because you only have eight pages of notes. I (laughs) <laughs> and four of those are pictures. There is so much responsibility. I think that the Beatles was the eruption of this volcano that had been building forever. I think it was Charles II in 1660. You're ridiculous. <laughs> Go on. Hear me out. Hear me out. Charles II was obsessed with theater. Obsessed with it. He was obsessed with it. I mean, he was obsessed with it because he had a thing for actresses. Oh. But he was obsessed with the theater. And so he built the first Soto district. He was the one that said, we need an entire district that is just all fucking arty, theatery people. Okay. That's how that Soto district thing became a thing, which is really what this derived from. I mean, it's all, you know, by the time the Beatles came out, everything was gentrified and almost gone. Mm -hmm. But by the time we get to the Beatles in the 1960s or 50s, I guess you want to say, they got to grow up in this post World War II art district that we all, every country has now had. Do we have them now or do they just move all the time? It gets gentrified. Everybody has to move out because it's too expensive. And then all of a sudden, like fucking the Bronx, nobody can afford to live there anymore. So they have to move to anyway. I went too far back. You didn't go too far back. That's applicable. That's good. Keep going. And then we can, I guess we can just go to Liverpool. Right. What's interesting is with them living where they did, you have to think about what the place was back then. Liverpool was completely Mm war-torn. It was bombed to shit by Germany because it was a port. It was one of those places where there weren't fucking trees. Right. All these artists were just trying to do whatever they could without any money mm-hmm. at all, that's where this starts. That's how I will start my thoughts. That actually kind of feeds into the vibe that John Lennon had presumably wanted when he started the Quarry Men in 56 of this skiffle folk music, skiffle being, you know, found and made instruments with like, you have the jug washboards and like what are those these things cigar box fiddles yeah anything kids could make themselves because they had no money they became a thing right so then he forms the quarry men with his school buddies paul mccartney joins in 1957 george harrison in 56 after a lot of coercing because george was 14 at the time and that was very young yeah and then when they moved on to the more rock and roll and less skiffle then a lot of his School buddies were like, yeah, we're good. We kind of wanted this vibe and that's not what we're doing. So good luck, losers. <laughs> the merchants in Liverpool would bring back these vinyls from America. Mm-hmm. There was also the Armed Forces Radio Network. So all these sailors and these military men threw the radio out at sea. They were finding this music. And then eventually that Armed Forces Radio Network got big 
in actual London and Liverpool and all these places. And that's how it, in the 50s and 60s, it just completely took over the underground. And these kids, mm-hmm. like John Lennon, who was the bad boy, Paul in an interview was like, he was the one, as a kid, you would see that guy and be like, oh, that guy is so cool. Mm -hmm. John saw Paul play at a church festival and that's Mm -hmm. how they met is John was trying to start a band and he saw Paul play and was like, okay, yeah, he's younger than me, which isn't cool, Mm -hmm. but he's pretty good. (laughs) Really had an age thing, didn't he? Well... Don't we all when we're that young? Which is funny because now it's like a year or two difference. He's 17. OMG. Mm-hmm. As we're older now, I mean, yeah. 15 year difference, not a big deal. But <laughs> back then, two years is a lot. <laughs> Half your age plus seven. Exactly. That seems pretty fucking young though. Yeah, but that's the rule. Would not want to date a 27 year old. Then don't. But if I have to, I have to. How's that one chef? George, what? That one chef that you have a crush on with the dark hair with the gray. Anthony Bourdain? No. <laughs> The lady. Oh. The lady chef. Claire Saffitz. Yeah. <laughs> day. I don't know. I, mean, okay. I think my crush on him was bigger than Claire Saffitz, but. She's real cute. And she can cook. George joined soon after. He was a lot younger. Not a lot younger, but like we were just talking about 14. at that age. But not only could he fucking rip. But Mm -hmm. what they saw in him was he, here's the thing about the Beatles. This is what I like about it. And what is also hard to do an episode on is so much of the Beatles is hard to prove and it's all folk talk. And did this really happen? Didn't this really happen? It's all like Mm -hmm. interviews with these people that really knew the Beatles back then. So who knows if it's true, but according to the lore of the Beatles, all George did was play guitar all day and because mm-hmm. of that he was the one that was known as that dude can play the fucking guitar right so john was like you know what he's really young mm-hmm. this is gonna be terrible for our image but he's really good at guitar so yeah and he owns a guitar also a good thing <laughs> which back then i don't think was very easy yes that's true they went through a bunch of members i don't know how much we want to touch on that the Sutcliffe years and i guess i mean pete best but out to you just mentioned like he had money to buy a guitar Stuart Sutcliffe only had a bass guitar because he sold a painting and they're like buy guitar buy guitar and then he can be in our band you know when he left the band he let paul use his bass guitar oh what a good man yeah how fucking cool is that Stuart Sutcliffe was their original bass player. They were doing a bunch of stuff in Germany and he just stayed there. So Stuart Sutcliffe was an artist. He didn't give a shit about music as much as just being an artist. He was super into that bohemian, let's all hang out and do the shit out of some art, man. And so he stayed in Germany. I think the Beatles were there to play some stuff with Tony Sheridan. And that's when all of the Pete Best stuff started. Pete Best was with them when they were backing and playing with... Did I say Pete Sheridan? I meant Tony Sheridan. Yeah, you did. You're the Tony editor. Tony Sheridan. It's fine. And that's when we get to Pete Best and the Beatles going back and forth. The Beatles time in Hamburg. The Beatles end up in Hamburg. They're still doing stuff with Stuart Sutcliffe, who actually... Stuart Sutcliffe actually came up with the Beatles name. They were the Silver Beatles. Yeah, the Beatles was a play on Buddy Holly's band, The Crickets. Mm-hmm. So they just switched that. Um, And then they had the Silver Beatles for a minute while they were touring with Johnny Gentle in Scotland. And then they just went with the Beatles. They left Liverpool to go to Hamburg. And that's really where this shit started to go down. Because this is where the Beatles were playing fucking eight hours a day Mm -hmm. in clubs, four times a night. Here's the thing about the Beatles is, yes, they were brilliant. John's mind was just different. And Paul was so fucking driven 
mm-hmm. and beautiful and brilliant as well. Yeah. But it gets glossed over easily that these guys are the epitome of the, what is it? Anything you want to be good at, you have to put in how many thousands of hours? Is, is it 10,000? You got to put your 10,000 hours in. Yeah. And if you got to put your 10,000 hours in, these guys put in 40. Yeah. All these guys did was fucking play. Mm-hmm. And Hamburg was this dirty underground sort of, it wasn't the the nice, pretty place that London was. It was the dirty, sketchy place that rock stars could be rock stars right. and you you could play at a club and get drunk. And Pete Best was still with them at this point, but they were really struggling. The Moondogs, I'll put that in. The Moondogs is what they were before the Silver Beatles. Oh, yeah. Okay. Johnny and the Moondogs. Johnny and the Moondogs. Mm-hmm. Goddamn, David. They went with Tony Sheridan to back him and they recorded uh my bonnie which is this rock version of my bonnie lies over the ocean which got fucking huge so they get back to liverpool from hamburg and they are a completely different beast they've been playing so much that they are just they did record two buddy holly covers in 58 before the Epstein in 62. They recorded That'll Be the Day and In Spite of All the Danger. And those are actually on the Beatles Anthology Part 1. They're actually available. They're not just like lost to the ether. I'm going to steal the shit out of them. I can't because they're on the Beatles Anthology. Son of a um, bitch. Epstein, go. They get back. They're super tight, playing really well, except for maybe their drummer, which we'll get into. They've kind of graduated from the whole john lennon and the gang sort of thing i mean if you listen to old interviews they're even you can hear paul which is crazy to me but you can hear paul be like no he's the lead guy in the band yeah. like john's the star which is so fucking weird to think of paul mccartney doing that <laughs> <laughs> they've got a big enough name to where they have to go to london because london is that's where you have to go to really really make it make it you can play and gig and stuff hundreds of times as much as you want in Liverpool and you can do okay. But if you want to actually make it, you got to go to London, right? which is what they do. Brian Epstein becomes their manager. He ends up, I mean, I don't know how much we have to, he's their manager their entire career until he dies in 67 of an overdose. But he starts working on their, I'll say, first of all, he's still a little bit unsure. All he knows is that Pete Best is not a good enough drummer. They bring him in, Mm -hmm. they start to try to record shit, and Pete Best is, that's basically what they're told. It's like, Pete Best sucks, you gotta get rid of him. But there's this local guy who's been fucking killing it, that everybody loves, that has played for a couple times for the Beatles, Mm -hmm. enter Ringo. And now we have the Beatles proper. The actual Beatles. Epstein works really hard on their image. He's the one that takes them to, you guys are going to wear suits. You can still be edgy with your long hair, mm-hmm. but it's got to be a little bit kept. Even that was, it's just hilarious how much you can find on their hair yeah. from the earlier years. Millions of articles on their hair mm-hmm. and just how big of a fucking deal it was. He did the right thing in guiding them to be a mother approved band. Like when you look at them, Yes, girls are going crazy and screaming and sweating and passing out. But you look at them and you're like, mm, they don't seem that threatening. They're in suits and they all have pretty nice conformed haircuts. They're probably good boys. And they're white. And they're white. And mm-hmm. they're singing very innocuous love songs. I want to hold your hand. Oh, romance. <laughs> but very lightly. Yeah. Not like today. But it's, yeah, it's not. It's funny because the songs 
in the fifties, like twist and shout, which are these right. very not so subtle. I can see fifties parents being like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. And then the Beatles come out with like, I want to hold your hand. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you can listen to the Beatles. Well, and I mean, you have the same type-ish of rock and roll coming out from the States with Elvis, Mm -hmm. which was so sexy, and he's just grinding, and these boys are just standing there playing their instruments. Yeah. What's a mom going to pick? What's a mom going to be like, yes, you can buy that album? Epstein had been working at his dad's furniture store. He was running the record section, which was a huge deal back then. It was That was where furniture stores made their money was is that wasn't that in the wonders the drummer was that parents right had a furniture store right yes and then he like turned on every radio and the the first time it was on the yes the first time they were on the radio he was working yes it's all coming together i'm sure a lot of that movie was very beatles oh i'm sure except for the whole one hit wonder the beatles did a little better epstein didn't really know anything about the actual music business right but epstein showed george martin at parlophone who was not a fucking rock dude he was producing comedy albums and orchestras and shit like that Mm -hmm. one of the quotes i have was there were no good songs there but the sound was interesting (laughs) (laughs) it's fucking hilarious martin signed them they set a recording date that's when all the pete best stuff happened that's when pete left uh and that wasn't an easy decision either because pete best was pretty fucking popular he was the most attractive beetle oh he was the hunk that the girls fucking loved, but he wasn't good enough. He couldn't play the drums. They picked up old Richard Starkey, mm-hmm. old Ringo Starr. Oh, he was handsome, wasn't he? Like, as I didn't look any old pictures yeah. of him. Mm, he's too pretty, though. Yeah, no. Yeah, he was like, he's got that fucking James Dean-ish kind of super bad boy look. He's kind of too pretty for the rest of them. Yeah. He's not unique I looking. Agree. He's very classically handsome, and that's fine, but I like him yeah, a little weird looking. <laughs> Shout out to your fiance. Hey. <laughs> Just kidding. What did we miss in the early years? I mean, we went back to the 1600s. I don't think we missed anything. Here, look, that was great. We've missed a lot. We don't we care. We can't cover everything. No. It's only a two-parter. How dare you tell us to? <clears throat> Who the fuck do you think you guys are? We're only two people. Look, go watch all the A Million Fucking Beatles documentaries if you have a problem. God damn. <clears throat> we are going to talk about Please Please Me and introducing the Beatles after we take one more break, we'll be right back. We are back. Beatles are now recording. Like I said, we have the Beatles proper now. We've got them all. Epstein's here. George Martin's here. We are ready to fucking do this. Let's talk about Please Please Me, released in the UK followed very quickly by introducing the Beatles in the United States. Rachel, I'll let you start this out since I stole a lot of the thunder in the (laughs) first part. That's okay. You had a lot of information. Please please me slash introducing the Beatles. This was released in 1963. This album was recorded in one day. On February 11th, 1963, which is seriously impressive. Mm -hmm. It is album number 39 on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. Please Please Me is? I'm not positive if it is introducing the Beatles or Please Please Me, but it's the same. It's probably Please Please Me. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Produced by George Martin, not to be confused with George R.R. Martin. Yeah. So this came out 10 days before Meet the Beatles, which is fucking so weird. Both introducing the Beatles and Please Please Me. So this is how I like to divvy these out. 
please please me in introducing the Beatles is pre-Ed Sullivan. So these came out before the Beatles went on Ed Sullivan. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so funny because what I love about this album is that there was still so much uncertainty with the record label on the Beatles. They did not believe in this. Right. They did not think that these guys are going to be a real huge thing. Idiots. Yes. And that's where a lot of these like fucking half recordings and I want you to record this song and this song and you don't get a whole album of your own shit Mm -hmm. because they didn't really believe in it. Even when the Beatles wrote and recorded Please Please Me, George Martin was not, he didn't love it. He wasn't like, this is going to sell a shit ton. He wasn't sold on it. It really wasn't until Love Me Do hit, I think it hit 17th. Yeah, 17 in the UK that he was like, okay, so we got to at least try on this thing. Yeah. And it also stemmed from Capitol Records in America. So Capitol Records was who was going to be Parlophone's right hand in the United States. It stemmed from them not, they didn't just not believe in it. They didn't like Please Please Me. Mm -hmm. They didn't think it was going to sell. They didn't like it. It's fucking insane. It's weird to look back on that and have these people, because again, me not being a Beatles fan on your level, but to still listen to this and realize how amazing it is Mm -hmm. for them to listen to the same album and not understand what it was at the time is just mind blowing. It's, it's very confusing. The the first fucking track on this is I saw her standing there, right? Which is one of the best fucking rock songs ever written. How the fuck do you listen to that and think, "Uh, mm." yeah, no, it's coming out of the gate. That's the very first song that people hear. What the people were buying at that point, what youth was buying at that point was something very specific, Mm -hmm. which was black music played by white people. Right. Was what was being bought. Mm -hmm. That is majorly why you have, you know, go with him on here or go to him Mm -hmm. and a taste of honey and twist and shout and these things that are fucking cool and that the Beatles had been playing forever, but weren't Beatles songs. Right. The same music coming out. You had, you had the beach boys surfing USA that came out the literal same day as this album. And the beach boys Mm -hmm. were just as guilty as the Beatles for stealing popular black music and making it their own. You had Elvis coming out, uh, Elvis had an album in April of the same year. Let's see who else on my list stole from. Rolling Stones was very soon after. Rolling Stones was the next year. Rolling Stones next year, yeah. So they stole from black people and the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for DL to shit on the Stones. <laughs> yeah. It's true, though. I mean, there's so much of this music. I mean, where's the line with imitation is flattery and imitation is literal theft? Yeah. Because you're just making this fantastic music that black Americans are making and making it safe for white women, then it's okay all of a sudden. Because this is still before segregation. It's still when there's a lot of shit going on uh, with racism. And I mean, there still is now, but. Well, it was a little more extreme back then. Right. But I completely agree. uh, But I want to touch on that more. Let's talk more about that in a couple albums. Because I have a lot more to say about that in a couple albums. Sure. Because of the uncertainty of the record label and maybe who knows what else maybe the youth just wasn't into it the first time it was released in the u.s and i think it was only one of their songs it only got to i think it was it only got to uh 116 on the billboard charts Mm. i think it was please please me yeah 
But a lot of that was there was barely any promotion for this. It wasn't promoted because the record label didn't believe in it. Right. They had re-recorded Please Please Me and it did eventually hit number one. So it's not like once it did get out there, it got out there and people liked it. Yeah. Let's talk about what else was being released at this time. Mm-hmm. I'll read the top 10 of 1963. Okay. I hope this is right. Me too. We've got tied for number one are Jimmy Gilmer and the Fireball Sugar Shack and Surfing USA by the Beach Boys. Right. Skeeter Davis's The End of the World, The Cascades Rhythm of the Rain, The Chiffons He's So Fine, Bobby Vinton's Blue Velvet, Paul and Paula's Hey Paula, Little Stevie Wonder's Fingertips, The Village Stompers Washington Square, and The Impressions with It's All Right. That is the top 10 singles of 1963. Mm -hmm. Rachel, what did your research uncover of, of what was popular back then? So I kind of pulled these as more of this was the vibe of the time, like how eclectic Perfect. what people were listening to. So we have Peter, Paul, and Mary released two albums during that year, January and October. Duke Ellington, Dinah mm, Washington, yeah, Eddie Arnold for some more safe white music. Johnny Cash had Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Four Season, Pat Boone, uh, Elvis, Bobby V, Free Willin' of Bob Dylan in '63 in May. You have James Brown, so they have more music to steal from. Nat King Cole, Patsy Cline, Bobby Darin. That's a good list. So it's an eclectic list, and everything that I think we need to talk about comes from that. John Lennon was sick when they recorded this, right. which is fucking awesome because, oh, boy, should we talk about Twist and Shout now? Oh, I love Twist and Shout. His voice is unreal. His voice is, it is wrecked. So I don't know if you have watched this one, but I reviewed Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow's 97, I think it was self-titled Cheryl Crow. So Cheryl Crow in If It Makes You Happy, the very first time she sings If It Makes You Happy, her voice cracks a little and it is like goosebumps. It's like the sexiest thing alive. And she doesn't do it again, but it sounds so raw and so dirty and so good. And having him just be like wasted, end of the day, destroyed, adds this grit to the song that makes it fabulous. It's so good. His voice is so good. It's crazy. This is when George Martin said he realized that the Beatles were something different. This recording session, they played all day. By the end of the day, George Martin's quote is, I don't know how they're doing this. They just get better with every hour. They just, right. they were getting better and better and better in front of his eyes. I don't know why they saved this for the last one, because it was obviously going to be the hardest one mm-hmm. to sing. And John Lennon was sick. Yeah. But talk about just the perfect fucking culmination of events. Sure. It's just, it's so awesome. I think it's serendipitous that they saved this till the end. Because nobody forgets how his voice sounds so different on this that it sounds odd everything else. This song wouldn't be what it is if he wasn't exhausted end of the day and just trying to push through. Very much agree. Like we said, there were a lot of not their music on here. They had covers. Uh, they had one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. six covers on this. Taste of Honey, Twist and Shout, Baby It's You, Boys, Chains, and uh, Anna. Go with him. Uh, go to him. Sorry, I I always say go with him because that's what he says in the fucking song. So right. it always it throws me off. But that's not the that song's part. always kind of been tainted for me because I think I think there was a Married with Children episode where Al Bundy has a song that he is obsessed with, but he can't remember who sang it. The only thing he remember is hmm <laughs> him, 
And he goes through the whole episode trying to find out who this is. And he ends up finding it in some vinyl store. But I swear it's this song that he's talking about. It is. <laughs> yeah. Frustrated Al called the radio station getting DJ Rick Cool himself, who spouted nonsense and started another session of multiple songs, no failing to give him the song's title. He tries to see if it is in his record collection, but finds out it has been destroyed due to Peggy moving his collection near the furnace. This yeah. is great. That sounds like a good episode. It was great. The original version, though, the Arthur Alexander version. Yeah. And then it ends with, Kelly's new boyfriend comes to the house. Al Bundy has the record. Mm -hmm. It's sitting on the coffee table and he's so happy. It's just on a pillow, like sitting there waiting for him. And Kelly brings her new boyfriend in and Kelly's like, I'm so excited to introduce you to my dad. He's going to love you. And her boyfriend puts his feet up on the coffee table and crushes the vinyl. And that's (laughs) the end of the episode. That's awesome. That was a good show. Yeah. Uh, At the beginning. (laughs) It ended up being really, really bad. Anywho. Katie Seagal. We're not here for that. What a gem. Her and uh, what's the guy's name? Who plays Al Bundy? Ed Harris? No. Ed Harris. It's not Ed Harris. Ed (laughs) O'Neill. O'Neill. His name's Ed O'Neill. And Christina Applegate, too. Oh, for sure. Fabulous. Yeah. We're not here for that. No, we're not. Let's go on. Yeah. Go to him. Not with him. Don't go with him. Go to him. They weren't massive yet when they recorded this album, in spite of the fact that they had Love Me Do on here. Mm-hmm. They had Do You Want to Know a Secret on here, written by George. Mm-hmm. George Harrison takes a stab at it. Who knew? Does a good job. And P.S. I Love You's on here. Love that. Songs that people would end up loving for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And that's not even mentioning I Saw Her Standing There, which is, I guess I'll reiterate, how do you hear that and think, eh, I'm not sure if this band's going to make it or not. So confusing. Do you think they had a problem with the first line? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I would like to point out that the age of consent in the UK is 16, so. Well, and how old were they when they wrote it? 20 to 23, respectively. When they wrote it, we're going to say 20. We're going to say 18, so I feel better. Sure. uh, We're going to say Paul McCartney wrote this when he was 18, playing at clubs. That's what we're going to say. The original line was, well, she was just 17 and no real beauty queen. Oh, geez. That's aggressive. John Lennon wrote that. Uh. And Paul was like, we can't do that. We <laughs> There's a quote from John Lennon being like, Paul was always really good at that. Paul was always really good at reining me in and yeah. being like, no, <laughs> we need this to be popular. This, this is what okay. I need to say. Paul was 21 when this came out. He wrote it when he was 18. Okay. If it makes you happy. <laughs> I wrote songs when I was 18 that I still play to this day. If I came out with an album tomorrow, there would probably be some songs on it that I wrote when I was like 20. Okay. Give them a break. (laughs) Plus, it was a different time back then. Mm -hmm. I think a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old dating in the 50s, would that have been that weird? Isn't that like when they're supposed to get married? I don't know, ma'am. Do you really not know? I don't think I want to know is what I'm trying to say. Singles released on Introducing the Beatles, which is just the American version of Please Please Me. And I guess we should talk about the differences. On Introducing the Beatles, Love Me Do, Ask Me Why, and Please Please Me change places. There's no difference in songs. The only difference is song placement because Mm. record labors are so stupid that they think that that matters. Love Me Do needs to be on the first side, not Please Please Me, because Please Please Me isn't that good of a song. From what I understand, where Introducing the Beatles came from. I'm just looking at the order and I'm thinking that I love, 
I like the way that the American one's laid out. See, I like the way Please is it, Please Me. I completely flip that. It is Please Please Me that I looked at. So that Please Please Me is the way it. So there's no Ask Me Why. There's no Please Please Me. It's Love Me Do. No, I don't like that version. Honestly, it's so hard to it, keep all this shit straight because there's so really many is. different Well, albums. and that's not even touching on the fact that there were uh, two different recording versions of introducing the Beatles as well. It's a fucking clusterfuck. It's a shit show. And that's not even counting... The really like is. illegal pressings that were happening and the, you know, like the counterfeits that were happening, the VJ record stuff. And right. I think we are good on Please Please Me and Introducing the Beatles. I think we've gotten to where we've gotten to. Guess what, everybody? Yeah. We still have awards and categories for these albums. I have one thing. A quote from John Lennon from Do You Want to Know a Secret? I want to know the secret. George Harrison sings on it. <laughs> and Lennon had said, Do You Want to Know a Secret? Uh, had George Harrison singing because it only had three notes and he wasn't the best singer in the world. I mean, he's not wrong. It's <laughs> it's a really unfair comparison I, too when you're comparing, and we'll talk about this soon, but when you're comparing John and Paul vocals to really any yeah. other vocals, oh, it's yeah. not very fair. Yeah. I think it's funny. I have, a, I have a handful of John Lennon quotes talking about, he's very blunt in his interviews about very. opinions of songs well, He was and the bad boy, Rach. That's he had to fabulous. Be. He was mm-hmm. a bad boy. Hey, Rachel. Hey, David. John Popper Award. What is the best hook on Please Please Me slash Introducing the Beatles? Love Me Do. That's the one that got in my head. Samesies. Samesies. Okay. Yeah. That fucking harmonica is fantastic. I love a harmonica solo. It's really good. No. Why are you talking shit about the harmonica? I'm not talking shit about the harmonica, which you'll find out (laughs) in one more award. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're also going to do the Eddie Van Halen Award. Rachel, what is... Your Eddie Van Halen Award for the these these this albums. I have the Love Me Do harmonica solo. You really also, branched out on this. I know. Also, uh, George's guitar in in Boys has a good guitar solo. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Yeah, I think is Boys the one where there's even like a call out to the which I always love when musicians do. There's like a Let It Play George or something. You know, Paul yeah. yells out like Come on George or something yeah. something like that. Yeah, 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 love that. My Eddie Van Halen Award is John Lennon in Twist and Shout. His fucking voice Mm, through that whole song is just, he just, (sighs) I remember the first time, probably not the first time, but one of the times hearing that and just thinking, I didn't know obviously that he was sick and all this stuff, but I remember thinking people weren't singing like this back then, Mm -hmm. the balls to do that. I mean, there was House of the Rising Sun had come out and things like that, Mm -hmm. but this was not. Guys weren't singing like this is what you meant. Love me do. And then all of a sudden you've got this. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, man. <laughs> Whoa, man. Rachel, what is your favorite song on this album? Did you get my joke? Woman. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. My favorite song on this album Whoa. is Twist and Shout. Man. <laughs> Twist and Shout is the best album. Or it's the favorite song. Best <laughs> hey Hold on. How's that Angry Orchard doing? Practically empty. Mama needs a refill. My favorite song on this album is Twist and Shout. It is fabulous. John is amazing. It's fun. It's danceable. It is. And it's a little dirty. It's, it's good. It's dirty. The guitar is spectacular. The drums, by this time, Ringo had really figured out what he wanted to do with the drums. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was at this point or if it was yet that, I mean, it had happened, but I don't know that it had been picked up and copied so much. The Ringo swing, the Ringo slappy, dirty hi-hat that he does. And Mm -hmm. we talked about it in the drum episode. He was a fucking metronome. He kept such good beat and he had the muffled snare sound. I just, the drums on on these early Beatles albums are incredible. And the guitar tone on Twist and Shout too is just unreal. Mm -hmm. 
my favorite song on this is Saw Her Standing There. Picturing Paul McCartney playing this and Paul McCartney's bass line, the do 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 Right. While he's singing, bass like this wasn't common back then. It was way, mm-hmm. way more prominent yeah. than a lot of stuff was back then. Hard bass line to sing and play. It's also one of his favorite songs he ever wrote. He still plays it all the time. Oh. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Rachel, we talked about what your favorite song on this album is. What is the best song on this album? Ooh. I hate to be this way, but it's the same song. Twist and Shout? I think so. I think just the effort put in it is worth being the best song. It is the best song, but it's also just so well performed. It's just wins all over. It is. It can be both. I would agree. It's very, very good. I mean, I don't agree, but I see where you're coming from. I think the best song on here is Love Me Do. Okay, but why? I think that it was the first amazing and also radio friendly Beatles song oh, for that sure. they wrote that was just going to get mm-hmm. hearing this and just thinking how could they not get unbelievably massive back then yeah. playing this. Sure. And the writing is really good on it. Mm-hmm. The vocals are great. You know. Vocals are good. And that's Please Please Me and Introducing the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel, after studying for this album, yeah. after listening to this album, how did your impression of the Beatles change if it changed? I think every time I really dig into anything I realize how much better it is than I thought it was Mm. and then again like exposure 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 listening to things repeatedly I started to like it more and more and more but I really realized that I guess I didn't understand how much of a front man John Lennon was Mm -hmm. um, how much he was kind of the brains of the operation early on yeah I mean back then it's a really big difference between 17 years old and 16 years old oh for sure it sounds dumb but it's true when you have boy bands which we can easily call this Mm -hmm. one of the first boy bands to exist marketing very much tries to make everybody kind of on the same level so it's kind of harder to see the standout And I think that I was very brainwashed before. So learning who did what and where people's strengths were while listening to this was... I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, this album definitely made... I mean, there were only... Comparatively to another album that we're going to cover soon, there was a lot of stuff that they wrote themselves on it, which was good. But I was very surprised when I listened to this how much of it was a review for me of stuff that I had thousand percent heard all of it, almost all of it before. Well, good. There's so much of it that's immersed in in culture and media and movies. There wasn't a lot of new stuff on here for me. But yeah, again, fell in love a little bit with this stuff awesome. after being exposed to it. I was wondering Thanks, how you would be with the 50s, 60s style pop, if it was your jam or not. Oh, definitely. I actually had a my best friend growing up. Her mom was very much listened to stuff that was in the 50s, 60s that her parents had listened to. And so I was definitely exposed to that style. Their family was very into Elvis and Supremes, kind mm-hmm. of that early doo-wop, late rock and roll kind of feel. Awesome. Just because it wasn't in my house doesn't mean it wasn't. I was definitely exposed to it. For me, going off of my studying for this, I was still a little bit in that. It's a Beatles album. I love the album. But it, there was still this stealing from black people feel that we've talked about right. with the covers. But like I said, everybody, please stick with us because there's more that I'm going to touch on on that it's not as simple as stealing from black people that's not my prognosis on this and that's not even covering the fact that with the exception to me of twist and shout the songs the beatles wrote are the best songs on this album right yeah so i think at this point in time the beatles were still a circumstance of 
record production 100% and not not their own thing yet mm-hmm. but it's still fucking awesome the lyrics are cool and they're fun and they're very 50s and early 60s and Ringo was killing it yeah that is the introduction to the Beatles that is please please me and you know what I think we're gonna do an episode change let's do it let's do it versecourseverse.com at versecourseversepod review and like and all that stuff stick with us our next album is going to drop <laughs> our next album our follow-up episode to this is going to drop in a couple days so you don't have to wait too long for us to explain ourselves further stay tuned thank you very much rachel yes it's been fun let's do it again in 37 seconds <laughs> indeed sound good is that enough time we'll see good night and good luck that was a refractor. Oh.